This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Hello listeners, building on last week's heritage programme about the archives and historical places about the city, we welcome today Margaret Tennant who is an honorary research professor from Massey University and author of several historical books including The City of the Centre, Our Own City History. So welcome Margaret. Thank you Anne. So um, you're currently the chairperson of the Palmerston North Heritage Trust, so can you tell us about it, what is it? Okay, it's actually a committee that is well, it's a subcommittee of a trust that was founded late 1990s um, from a bequest and we administer it on behalf of the Palmerston City Council and its main objective is to educate people in the use and importance of archives but we actually do rather more than that. So um, when you say you do more than that, what do you actually do? Okay, well we each... Uh, we uh, Each year we nominate and give an award to the local historian of the year. We um, give a prize for the best article or the best book, depending, you know, it varies from year to year. Uh, we organised this year um, a conference around local history uh, called Telling Our Stories, which was about the different ways of looking at the history of Palmerston North, you know, from the creative to the written to, and so on. Um, and each year we, we try, though it's, we had to cancel because of COVID, to have a meeting of, of all the sort of history groups and archives in the area where we can just report and share experiences. All right. So, um, and who and when and why was it established? Well, Brian Elwood, um, former mayor, he played quite a big part in it because he drew up the will of the lady who made the bequest and um, he drew up the the trust and um, then the money was sitting there in an account and it wasn't really used and so Merv Hancock played quite a big role in in, um, perhaps rejigging it and getting some action going and so we're not an elected committee as such. We're we're really a group who recruits. Um, we're a group of about usually seven or eight people, and we recruit from interested parties to to keep our activities running. All right. So um, and those who don't know the history of Palmerston North, Brian Elwood and, and Mr Hancock were around about when. Oh, Brian Elwood <laughs> was mayor from 1971 till 1985. Um, and Merv Hancock was a former city councillor but also a lecturer at Massey and perhaps best known to a lot of people as um, a councillor in the city for many years. I mean, that, I mean, a, a councillor with an S, that is. So he was councillor in both oh, right. senses. Both <laughs> senses. <laughs> yes. So um, so those two gentlemen were responsible and a, you said it was a, um, a bequest yeah, originally. a small bequest was originally made. But what it meant, once you've set up a trust, you can then, then apply for money 
from other trusts. And it, so we set up as a charitable trust, basically. All oh, right, so you can yeah. build up and, yeah, yeah, and do yeah. that. And, and basically it's covering um, heritage uh, within the Manawatu or just Palmerston North? Uh, we sort of vary, technically speaking, Palmerston North, but we actually range over the, the Manawatu. Like one of the first things we did um, was to, when, when Ian Matheson, the city archivist, died, he had a great deal of material. When we applied to Eastern and Central Trust, I think it was, to employ someone to put all his archives in order. So um, that's made it a lot easier to use them. And we also um, were behind establishing the Manawatu Journal of History. Uh, we had this idea there was an Otaki historical journal and it would be really good to have something equivalent for the Manawatu. So um, we, one of the things we did was to really help set that up. So when, when has, um, did that come into being? Uh, the first issue of the journal was 2005. So the year before we called a meeting and uh, you know, ascertained how much interest there'd be in the Manawatu journal. So is that a um, subscription journal or, or how does it work? Uh, what it, comes is it? Out, it comes out annually and normally we just advertise it. We've got people who do buy it annually but they don't have an annual subscription as, stuff, as such. We just advertise and, and they contact us and say, yes, post one out. So so that's in a, um, a physical form? like Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So I've got this year's one in front of me. Um, and it's got a whole range of really interesting articles on that range from, well, I wrote one on the Palmerston North Centennial in 1970-71. Uh, we've got the everyday life of a boarder at Fielding Agricultural High School, so that's a Fielding article. Um, we've got Dorothy Pilkington talking about Nati Kofata and, and, and the process by which they lost their land. Uh, Leanne Hickman's written on the Hawke's Bay earthquake. And the um, refugees who came through from Hawke's Bay to um, were assisted here. So, way quite back a range. in 1930, yeah, yeah. early 30s. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so it, it ranges about all sorts of things. And it's called the Manawatu Journal of History, is yes, that correct? It is, yes, that's right. Mm. And um, so, your group of seven people, do, do they. Um, research things to put in there or they come up with ideas or, oh, or no, how, some do, how does it help? The journal's now become quite separate under a separate editor, currently Russell Paul and originally oh, right. Kushla Scrivens. Um, so it's kind of separate now from that. We, we played a role in setting it up but not. Uh, it's now a separate entity. Um, but many of us have written for it. So um, I've got an article in it and um, Helen Dollery, who's a member of our trust, has written for it, Jeff Watson. So... You know, we we range quite widely in terms of of um, what we do. So, how does somebody, for example, if they think they've got something particularly interesting to add to the Journal of History, how do they go about getting that? Well, the the editor Russell Paul will be delighted to hear from people um, who want to be able to craft a longer or a short, even a short piece for the journal. Um, if you look at the journal, he can. Uh, I think there's his email addresses there, but otherwise there's various ways he can be contacted. And he and we can also help people who aren't too sure about writing by talking over their ideas. And and you know Russell's very good at helping people shape a piece of work into something more polished. Right. So so any of the general Joe blogs could perhaps have a go if if um, 
you know, they would approach Russell and he would That's right. say, yes, yeah, there's, yeah. there's an idea or, or can yeah. you do this? Um, is there any particular structure for it or any particular? No, no, I think just, just, it's best to um, just approach Russell and he'll give you some advice. The other outlet, if you have got ideas for writing things, is Manawatu Heritage, which is the Palmerston North Library's electronic website. And, you know, we mainly think of it as a collection of um, photographs. Old, old stuff. <laughs> well, also, and paper I mean, and many of your interviews and things, yes. Many of your interviews from Access Radio are up on it, so it's got oral material as well. But they're always interested in short written pieces, and there's no reason why that sort of material can't, you know, be written for there as well. Um, it's, it's perhaps a less daunting way of writing something and presenting it to the rest of the world. I think people have got, if they've got good material, it's pity just to sit on it, you know, when you can actually either put it out there on the internet via Manawatu Heritage or perhaps write something short and sharp for the Manawatu Journal of History. So, because you don't really know what people will be interested in. No, no, you don't. And different people are interested in different things, of course. So therefore, for, like for your journal, you have to have a, um, a variety of things. Mm. So um, to... And do you have actually meetings of your trust or is it just your group of seven to eight people? It's really just our group. We meet monthly and we talk about our various activities and plans. We put quite a lot of effort this year actually into organising the um, um, Telling Our Stories Symposium in July. Um, But we also did that in association with groups like the Tamanua Museum Society and um, the History Programme at Massey University. So... We're also used to working with other groups. So there's no cost involved to, to be on this trust committee or whatever? No, no, we no. just recruit as needed, really. Right. OK, then I understand that you've got something else called the Good Sports Calendar. So oh, yes. oh, yes. Now, that's another thing that the Heritage Trust does. Um, each year we put out a calendar, and it's got a collect- for each month there's a historical photograph, and we research it, so... We have a theme, we've done ones on childhood and animals and pets and um, the railway, that was a really popular one, we've got people buying that from all, ne- all over New Zealand. Um, we've had some on celebrations and parades and so on. So this year's one we thought would be good, it would be good to have one on sports in Palmerston North. And so each opening has an image from Manawatu Heritage on a particular sporting activity, so we've got marching, you know, outdoor marching, what marching oh, girls. I saw, saw a fifty-three diver. Sorry. That's right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in fact, the 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 diver featured in that. I think it was a diving competition held at um, Queen Elizabeth College, and he's seen it and he's been in to buy some copies oh. because. So we've been able to find out more about that image, because um, part of the idea is that. You know, these, these photographs are up on Manawatu Heritage and sometimes there's not a lot of information about them. So the mere fact of putting them in a calendar often means that people then go and um, contact the library and, and give more information. So this is an annual calendar that you do and this year it's a good sports one, yeah, is that it's correct? Cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've got 12 photographs basically. Yeah, and it can be bought from the um, heritage section of the pub city library and it's only $12. And... Um, 
Yeah, it's a very good calendar to have on the wall, I find. I, you know, I, I actually write on mine quite a lot because it's such one of those really well-spaced sort of calendars as well. So this, this sports one, is that actually a 2021 or is it a 2022? Oh, it's next year, 2022, yes. yeah. We do it right, for a year so, ahead. Yep. So go, go ahead and buy it now. That's so. right. Please, <laughs> please do. We've got, we'd, we'd love for you to purchase it. And, and we've got, actually got some regular purchases now because they see it as a kind of collection um, because it's got social history in it as well. Right. Our images are researched. And this year we've done slightly different on two of the openings, something slightly different in that the rugby and the cricket ones have got a compilation of images. Oh, right. So mm-hmm. several people feature in those. <laughs> yes, well, you couldn't couldn't very well do. Well, as, as I say, you know, you've got lots. Well, I'm not so, not so sure about the cricketers, but um, modern day anyway. So because it's historical, does it include... Um, present day things? Yeah, sometimes it does, yes. It comes up, they, our calendars have always included some contemporary images. Um, and one year, we, in, in suffrage year, we did a really interesting thing. We actually asked a number of women to nominate um, an image of women in the past. But some of that included you know, very recent images. And then we put the person who had done the nomination, we put their photo and a little bit about them as well. So it was the past and the present on one opening. That was a lovely one to do, actually. We really enjoyed that. So one one of the things that I um, was at, at Girls High for, um, well, it doesn't matter why I was there, but I was there anyway, <laughs> yeah. and I noticed a wall uh, on the wall there was a photograph of um, an early staff, and on there was a Miss Rowley and my... Um, ancestors are rollies. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been trying to find out if in actual fact that was a, a one, but I have had no joy. So um, something like that to research, is, uh, how would I go about that? About whether that's it just says Miss Rowley. It doesn't oh, give any other names okay. or anything. So Well, I, I think probably if I was doing it, I would see if there's a school archive first and see whether it's got um, a list of staff members from that time with their first names. And once you've got a fuller name, then you can start doing genealogical research. And if you're not sure on how to do that, there's a wonderful genealogical society which has a representative in the library, I think usually on a Wednesday, and they could help you follow that through and see if that person is any connection, has any connection with you. So that's the Genealogical Society. Mm. On a Wednesday, did you say, in the I library? I think it's usually on a Wednesday in the heritage section of the library. There's quite often somebody there representing that society who can help people. All right. That, that if, was not, just a, the, if not, the library yeah. staff is usually very good at that too. So um, what avenues are available for research or for interesting, like to, to me that was, I mean, I'd have to research it, but mm. I found it interesting only because it was a name. That, yeah, <laughs> sure. And, and I, I mm. believe um, that, I was thinking it was a great-grandfather, he he had four sisters who were all school mm. mums. So, oh, okay, well, so it, it sounds possible. High, it sounds highly yeah. likely, doesn't it? But yes. um, so... so it, Archives at the City Library, um, and you mentioned there are other archives around. Um. Well, in Fielding, there's the sort of central library that's got other local bodies. I mean, I think we were really lucky in Palmerston North is that <clears throat> the City Council archives and the community archives are combined, and that's largely thanks to previous archivist Ian Matheson. Um, 
So, yes, yeah, so there's the central archives and fielding. Um, many people are doing research on local topics will also at some stage go down to the Alexander Turnbull Library where there's also Manawatu, Palmerston North material. Um, but I will always recommend go up to the heritage section of the Palmerston North City Library as your starting point because the staff there are absolutely wonderful and really, really helpful. And then we heard, heard from Leslie who's in charge of that ah, team um, last week, folks. So if you want to um, review what she had to say, it's episode 232 on podcast mm-hmm. mpr.nz forward slash show forward slash spotlight. So um, Leslie went to extensive telling us what archives are and um, <laughs> what's uh, available, etc. cetera. So, so that's great. So archives, what, what other areas are well, available? Well, a, yeah, a lot of your listeners will be aware of papers past, you know, right. the old newspapers yes. online. Unfortunately, most of the local ones only go up to about 1950 so far. That's because of copyright reasons for the recent past. Um, so you can do a lot of research by... Um, putting in names and places and that into papers past and searching that way. The city library's also got newspapers on microfilm which go after 1950. They've got a, a bit of an index, so it's it's not comprehensive, but sometimes it's worthwhile looking on this uh, index as well. So you might strike it lucky with you whatever might, it is you're yeah, researching. You might strike yes. it lucky. Like um, centennial stuff, I was... I was doing some searching online, but they they also had some information on their, their index. Um, but they also had, I found, a whole bundle of newspaper cuttings oh, right. that someone had collected over the whole centennial year. So that saved me a lot of microfilm reading, I must say. <laughs> I blessed Mrs. Urquhart who collected them. Oh, right, yes. So And, and also put it in a, in a accessible place yes, so, that, indeed, so that you yes, could find it. Yes, yes. All right. So um, now the... A lot of people use the internet for their um, research, etc. So are there any sites that you would recommend anybody? Well, apart from um, Manawatu Heritage, which is the most obvious one, um, the Dictionary of New Zealand Biography has quite a lot of local people written up, and that's highly authoritative. Um, The Women's Suffrage Petitions online, with um, information of local women who signed the suffrage petition, um, a lot of Tina White's Memory Lane columns oh, right, are up yes. on Manawatu Heritage. The old Cyclopedia of New Zealand. Um, you see, a lot of these, what were papers, paper um, versions of history, have now been digitised. So the old Cyclopedia of New Zealand, which was has Manawatu material from around the 1900s, that's online. Um, the Ministry, the Tiara, the Encyclopedia of New Zealand, the Digital Encyclopedia of New Zealand, has a section on Manawatu and the Horofenua uh, region. So there is that sort of material that you can get. And, and of course, if you belong to things like Ancestry.com, you can look up things like um, electoral rolls and street directories and such like. So, But not all sites are trustworthy for accuracy. Like um, I understand Wikipedia's, anybody can write anything on there. Is yeah, that true? that's yes. absolutely right. So that's mm. one that you don't go to if you, well, if you, you want to make to sure it. of, of yeah. your facts. You just you have to be to. discriminating. I use right. Wikipedia if I want to find out something quickly, but I usually check it against something else. Um, some of it's good, some of it isn't. All right. So now you are one of the co-writers, I believe, of City at the Centre, which is mm-hmm. our... Um, so how did that come about? 
Well, Jeff Watson, who's a lecturer at Massey, and I, we had talked for a number of years about the need to do a, a history of Palmerston North that came up closer to the present, because George Peterson's history that was written for the 1971, what was published, I think, 72 or 73, um, it was much stronger on the colonial period than it was for the period after 1930. So we decided there was time for an update. There's been a lot more material written, some of it done by students at Massey, that we could draw on. Uh, a lot more archival material, being, you know, community records placed in the archives. So um, we decided we'd co-edit a, a volume that wasn't written by just one person. We wanted a range of voices, so we've ended up with about nine chapters uh, written by seven or eight authors. All right, so and um, it covers right from the early beginnings. It does from yes. um, with the with the Maori um, input Indeed. right right through to modern day. It does, yeah. But it's done thematically, so you it doesn't say start at you know, right at the beginning and through to the present. We've got thematic chapters which are sort of contained in terms of. They go back to an early period and come to the present. Right, so a very interesting um, book. I mean, I've, I've read a little bit of it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I really need to get into it. So, um, Te Papoeia, what was that? It was a clearing in the... This whole area, of course, was heavily, heavily um, forested. So it was a clearing in the bush... Uh, that sort of went from Terrace End, it didn't cover the whole of what is now the city of Palmerston North, it was just a space that went from Terrace End to round about, or almost to West End. Um, and uh, a Pakia called um, Stephen Charles Hartley was shown it in the 1840s, I think it was about 1846, by uh, Māori guides, uh, he didn't discover it, of course, but he was shown it. So it was known that it existed. And in the 1850s, um, it was suggested it might be a good place for settlement because, you know, the bush was already open and cleared. And, <laughs> right. yeah. and, and also you could um, build your houses and that sort of thing, was it? It was a place to start a settlement. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and the first settlers... Who were they and what what did they do? Well, I suppose technically speaking, the first to settle in the area were Tangata Whenua. Um, and we now recognise uh, Rangitane as Mana Whenua. Um, and there's sites that are increasingly being identified where they use, they utilised for food gathering and as past sites and such like. Right, well, I, I haven't yet been able to, but I'm hoping to get a rangatane interview with three prominent people. Oh, <laughs> um, They're all very the, busy people, uh, yes. Yes, not only that, at the moment we're only allowed one person in the studio at a time oh, to okay. interview, so I can't have all three of them well, at we once. Were, so. <laughs> we were tremendously lucky when we did our Palmerston North you know, Telling Our Stories Symposium to pay a visit out to Rangiotu, to, uh, to Rangamarie, and to it's hear... It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, and to hear the story of the place on site. It was really quite mind-blowing. We were so grateful to have that opportunity. 
So I, I was I didn't get to go this time, but I had been once mm. before and and uh, heard heard the history from um, the Tiawiawis and uh, who are resident out there. Um, the general population occupations in the early days, obviously you'd have the timber millers, but yeah, um, we had. I mean, the first settlers came 1870, 71, and the first permanent residents, you know, people like um, George Snelson, who eventually became the first mayor, and then you've got the biggest party arrived, sort of the biggest, first big group coming February 1871 when the Scandinavians came. So when you look at some of the early occupations, it's Things, you know, the standard things you need in an early town. Yes, of course, there were the sawmillers, people like that, because the bush was being filled. But within the, the boundaries of the township, and it was really just a very small township, you know, by about 1874, I think, about 300. No, when it became a city, I'd say a town, a borough in 1877, there were about 800 people. But the very first, the cabinet maker, wheelwright, shoemaker, um, a tailor, a blacksmith, butcher, boarding house keeper, and so on. Um, but a lot of people still describe themselves as a farmer or a settler because the boundaries between town and country were still quite blurred. And I, I believe in those days that, that people weren't specifically this kind of occupation. That, um, they could change like a... Um, a relative or Lane's um, ancestor of mine, I suppose, was a farmer out at Linton, and then he went on to be a schools inspector in Wanganui. And I thought, oh, That's okay, so they did all sorts of things. And That's they a really good. Um, I found doing the chapter on work in the book that in the nineteenth century, you know, that phrase "jack of all trades" was very real. And even George Snelson, at various times, he was, um, you know, the first mayor. He was an ironmonger. He was a um, storekeeper. He was uh, the local coroner at one point. So, you know, he had a lot of kind of personas and, right. and job <laughs> titles, if you like, um, even in his lifetime. So we've had forestry and farming, and, and I assume that there wasn't the flax industry here that would have been further south in Foxton. Yeah, through to sort of round Sh- um, Shannon. And we're almost out of time, so um, to finish off, can you tell us what's the significance of te marae or hine? Okay, that, that's what we Pākehā are more commonly known as by that very prosaic name, the square. So I hope the, the Māori name does become enter into much wider currency because it's a much more beautiful name. Te marae or hine, the courtyard of the daughter of peace, Rangatane in uh, the 1870s decided that they wanted to give that space a Māori name. And uh, so what they did was to approach, I think it was Ngāti Rokoa, um, uh, one of the Ngāti Rokoa chiefs, to um, suggest a name. And uh, the name that was given was Te Marae o Hine, um, named after one of their ancestresses. Right, um, and... And the last little snippet that I had from that was was that it was a place of peace, and that um, wars would, well, fights would go around and everything, and and the combatants would come into the into the uh, marae and um, cease. Yeah, then, and yeah. then they'd go out again and start up again. Well, it was <laughs> up when the, the the land court hearings were going right. on, and there was contestation. Mm. Yeah, so 
It was understood that the Tamarauhine was a place of peace and civility. So you put aside everything else yes. with it. Well, that yeah. I think is a lovely note to finish off, thank and you. thank you very much. Uh, Margaret, we could go on for hours, I think. There's heaps we haven't covered, but again, thank you for coming in. Thank you, Anne. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.